Welcome to Ellas, a bi-weekly podcast made by Latinas for Latinas. I talk with talented, inspiring, and empowering women that are living their dreams and making a path for the next generation. I'm Brenda hernandez Jaimes, and this is Ellas. Hola, welcome back to Ellas. For the 32nd episode of the podcast, I have the pleasure of talking with my tocaya and all-around extraordinary Brenda Duran. Brenda is a first-generation Mexican-American born and raised in Los Angeles. She's a graduate of the University of Southern California. She is a strategic communicator who has created award-winning mass-scale marketing campaigns, developed brands, and written for national publications such as the El Paso Times, the Denver Post, People, the North County Times, Us Weekly, and the Long Beach Press-Telegram. Brenda Duran has also served as editor-in-chief of Long Beach Magazine, a regional glossy magazine. For 10 years, she made a living as a writer, covering everything from immigration, education, to celebrities, and a lot of random subjects in between. Throughout her career, Brenda has helped lead freelance writers, graphic designers, and multimedia teams to create successful and dynamic projects that have garnered multiple national awards. Brenda has been the recipient of the prestigious Folio Award for Feature Writing, a North American Excellence in Communication Award, three American Society of Business Publication Editor Awards, and most recently, three Public Relations Society of America Awards for Integrative Marketing Campaigns and Public Affairs Programs. For the past six years, Brenda has also significantly increased the digital footprint for brands, and organizations within Los Angeles County, where she has developed communication strategies across various platforms creating viral campaigns with impactful messaging. Brenda has been working in government communications in LA County, helping to boost public education on everything from elections to government programs. She was responsible for numerous successful Get Out the Vote campaigns that included messaging to Los Angeles multicultural communities, she was also in charge of overseeing the redesign of the iconic I Voted sticker we all wear on Election Day and so much more. She currently works at LA County Headquarters in downtown Los Angeles as a communication executive. Please welcome Brenda Duran. Hi, Brenda. Hi, Brenda. <laughs> <laughs> it's finally great to have another Brenda on AS here as a guest. I think it's a pretty cool name. What about you? I know. I think it's amazing. <laughs> it's it. If I remember correctly, I feel, I think it means dagger, or spear. So, Ooh, yeah, I like that. yeah. I, I really do. I, I feel Brenda's. Just we fight and we we do anything to get what we want and where we want to be. So, we, I think so. Yeah, I think we're very strong willed. Mm-hmm. And um, the name is is appropriate for, yeah. for, for you and I. <laughs> <laughs> First of all, I, I want to say again, thank you for being here, being here on AES. And your story, your journey is just mind-blowing, inspiring, and it's something that just warms my heart. And I hope, you know, I know that our listeners are just going to be super excited to learn more about you. And as you know, I like to start every episode by asking my guest, can you describe who you are, who Brenda is? Wow. <laughs> That's a big question, but I think, um, who is Brenda? Well, I'm definitely somebody who has always 
been a very, very curious-minded individual who is constantly seeking more. Um, that's the way that I would describe myself in a nutshell. I am somebody who is not stat happy with status quo. I always feel like um, there is room for improvement and there are ways to make things better. And I get really excited when I start to think of how I can be a part of that. How can I make something better? How can I contribute what I know in my skills, making things better? I'm definitely somebody since childhood who has always been extremely curious. And I have always been somebody who, like, I always make sure that that part of me is consistent because that childlike curiosity has led to some really, really fun and interesting things in my life. So that's the best way that I would describe myself. I'm also extremely uh, ambitious and somebody who is always looking to better themselves and the people and the things around them. Yeah, just seeing your, like, what you've done, it's clearly who you are. Like, you drive to be better, you drive to do more, and you, like, excel. You know, you I, I think you set your goals and, like, accomplish them. You, like grow even more like that's completely you yes absolutely it's something that I, I it's like a, every time that I'm given a challenge I always feel like not only how can I meet this challenge but how can I surpass it and how can I do you know come out on the other side even better than that yeah and so you since you were a little child you you always wanted to like do more right and not settle for the status quo and I imagine, like, I can completely understand that. Like, I, I get that. Like, because in our community, Latinas are expected to be a certain status quo, to be fit into this box, right? And yes. when was that time, and I imagine since you were young, but when was that time when you decided, you know, I want to do more with my life and I just do more in terms of, like, your career in communications, and was it a goal to always communicate to our Latino community, or was it more for you to grow? What was those reasons? Oh, yeah, that's a really good question, and I always like to go back to uh, high school for this story, because I think there was a very pivotal moment in high school that really changed a lot for me and that happened I think as a child I was like I said I was always very curious I always knew that there was like a bigger world outside of the one that I was exposed to and I was always really curious about that and what what, what was on the other side but I think that it was in high school when I started to get involved with the student newspaper and started to kind of see how interesting it was to tell other people's stories, ask people questions, um, know about how other people are living. That was always really fascinating to me. But it wasn't until I had this really interesting moment that happened to me in one of my high school classes that I was in. I was I always like to tell the story because I think it really symbolizes that shift in mindset for my for myself and for the rest of my life. But I was in a regular English class at that time, and my English teacher one day pulled me aside and said, "Can I talk to you for a minute?" And I said, "Oh my God, what did I do? Did I not like?" finish my work? Am I in trouble? What's going on? Um, his name was Mr. Thompson, and he said, I wanted to, to, to tell you that I'm going to be recommending you for an English honors class. Uh, I think that your skill set is beyond this class. I think that uh, you really belong in a much more advanced English class, so I'm going to be recommending you to go to this English honors class. 
And, and I was just like, okay, that's great. What, you know, I'm not sure what that means, but sure. You know, so I got moved to an English honors class. And I remember the first few weeks that I was there, it was extremely, it was like another world. It was a lot of the kids who were in that class had been in AP classes for most of their junior high and high school years. I was just sort of coming in at the very tail end. It was like my junior year of high school. And so I started to attend the English honors class at that time, and I felt immediately very insecure. I felt like, you know, oh my gosh, here I am playing in the big leagues now, in terms of high school, right? Um, And um, I'm not sure that um, I'm going to be able to keep keep up with, with, with everyone else since I'm just parachuting in. So one day I let those insecurities get the best of me, and I came uh, to class, and I told the teacher that I wanted to speak to him. His name was Mr. Halley, and I told Mr. Halley, thanks for having me in your English honors class, but I'm not sure that I this is a fit for me. Um, I'm not sure that I think Mr. Thompson's class is fine. I'm going to go back, and, you know, it was nice meeting you. Um but um, that moment, um, I even I got a, I remember getting a little bit almost uh, emotional about it because it was like I knew deep down inside that I was not doing myself a favor, but I was letting that part of my, you know that that part of me just get the best of me. So, Mr. Halley uh, said, actually. No, you're wrong. You do belong in this class. You are very talented. You do have what it takes to succeed. And you're selling yourself short. And I'm not going to allow you to leave this classroom And because I believe in you. And I believe in your potential. And, you know, he had that slip in front of him. He cut it up, threw it in the trash can. And it was the first time that somebody had told me, you know, I, I really believe in your potential, and I believe that you can be successful, and I need you to believe it as well. And that was a game changer yeah. for me. And the minute that I, Mr. Helley told me that, and I sort of just developed this, like, automatic, like, wait a minute, Mr. Helley says I can be successful in this classroom. Maybe he's right. Maybe I could. Maybe maybe I am cut out for this. And that then when I ended up, you know, completing the class, it just really, really drove this this drive in me to want to continue to reach for more than I had been settling for. So that was a very, very pivotal time in my life that really changed a lot for me and really taught me that I shouldn't sell myself short, that I should reach higher and higher every single time and that there are people out there that believe in you and that you do have that potential. So I think it's really important for kids, especially in high school and in early college, to know that when somebody is telling you that you do have that, that they are people that will make a big difference in your life because that voice will carry, you know, will carry with you for forever and you'll develop this sense of self um, a lot stronger. So that's that's a time that I can definitely remember when a lot of things changed for me and when I started to realize there is a bigger world that I can be a part of and there is bigger things that I can be a part of and I do have that potential to do that. Oh, that's beautiful. You know, having it's so important to have that figure that just encourages you to not give up and yes. provide you that faith in yourself that you can do more, that you do have that potential because imposter syndrome can eat you away and then you yourself quit on yourself and and the opportunities that can come your way and if it hadn't been for Mr. Haley like 
maybe your path would have been different. Yes, I think so. And I think also that even though deep down inside, I knew that I had what it took to be successful in those tech classes. And I knew that I had the potential to do that. It was that reinforcement Mm -hmm. um, that really, really took it to the next level. And that's why I think it's so important to have platform just like your podcast where you can hear how other people have navigated obstacles in their lives or challenges or have stepped up to the plate so that you can get something from that inspiration. Because I, I didn't have, you know, these podcasts or these yeah. types of things when I was growing up. And I think that now with with the internet and with having so much information at our fingertips, there there are these uh, reinforcements that you can find anywhere to to really boost you and, and, and help you get over that. Yeah. Uh, imposter syndrome or, you know, self-doubt. Exactly. And, you know, now that we, we have, we're living in an age where like, we have this so near to us, but before, you know, in your youth, when you were like in high school, how was those first years of college in, you know, University of Southern California? And you just going through college years and not letting that self-doubt and imposter syndrome get you. How were those years? So my road to the University of Southern California actually was marked with a detour. Um, And that detour was after high school. um, I actually went to community college for the first two years. And I was actually a transfer student to the University of Southern California. Um, The first two years that I was in community college, I just was completely on this mission to shoot for the stars. And um, I was there, and I served as the editor-in-chief of the newspaper there, and I really got involved in a lot of the interests that I had in journalism. And I was set on really, um, again, shooting for the stars and going to apply to USC. And that was a really, really big highlight of my life, is to get accepted to the University of Southern California. And when I did, um, uh, going back to your, your question, it, it was very difficult because I was sort of in that same place that I talked about when I was in my junior year in high school, which was like, here I am parachuting in to a private university uh, where most of the kids that were I was going to school with had already in a huge advantage. A lot of them had gone to private school most of their life, um, had tutors most of their life, had a lot of advantages that I obviously didn't. Um, so I had to really, really um, believe in myself during that time when I was going to school there. And I had to really, um, dr- um, you know, take out that internal drive to keep me motivated and going um, because I had to depend on my own will to be able to be successful in everything that I did. And I always like to tell everybody, especially Latinas, that, you know, it's really important that we recognize that. This is in our blood. We come from a warrior spirit. We come from a our ancestors who we can draw, you know, draw a lot from in terms of being people who were up to the challenges and were up to being strong and being strong-willed. And that's already in our blood. It's already in us. And even though it's great to have these reinforcements, just know that that type of energy lives within all of us. And I've always felt that way my whole life, and I've always known that that, that was there. Um, so when I was at in college, I think the first few years, you you feel that type of you know you feel that type of pressure 
especially when you're competing among people that have had a lot of bigger advantages over you. But I have to say that in those challenges, what I have always found was that they were also a huge gift. Um, it was a huge gift to be able to uh, navigate obstacles and challenges like that at such an early age because it really, really prepares you for adulthood and all of the things that come with that. So I think that it was really important um, to go through that because it really helped me strengthen my resilience and be able to navigate obstacles later in life a lot easier. So, yeah. And did you have a support system, you know, of fellow Latinas that were in um, USC or did you have, you know, other figures like professors that kept motivating you? How was, you know, those highlights of going to your dream school and just not only studying what you loved, but also having people that were there for you? Yeah, I think that the, a lot of, most of the support system came, I think, within myself. There was definitely people in in my life um, uh, that I had that knew what my interests were. I had some really incredible internships around the country during my time in college that of uh, people who gave me opportunities um, and believed in me. And def- definitely those came in handy because they helped me, you know, get involved in the field that I really wanted to to pursue, which at that time was journalism. And those people were really great. Um, I think in college it was hard to find a lot of people with the same similar experiences that I had growing up. Um, It was very difficult, especially when you go to a private school. It's not as easy. But like I said, it sort of builds up this resiliency inside of you. It builds up this confidence inside of you. And it really gives you an advantage because you're coming in with a whole different life experience. And that really enriches any type of classroom. It enriches the people around you because they get to learn and be empathetic about the communities that you're from. So that that was really helpful. But in terms of having a support system, I think support systems come in different ways, you know, and they come in different in different forms. It's not always going to be a mentor mm-hmm. uh, because I can't really say I had one specific person that was coaching me and saying, here's how you do this, here's how you do that. There wasn't really that. Um, there was a lot of things I had to navigate on my own financial aid, uh, navigating the private school system, navigating those types of things. But the support system comes in a lot of different ways, and that was, you know, everything from your family. Who My family was supportive in the sense that they were behind me in my dreams, even though they didn't quite understand what, what it all meant at that time. But they were supportive in, in that sense that they were – they were happy for me that I was that, that I was um, navigating new territory that none of us in our family had before. And then in other uh, support systems, I would say that there were people in my life that when I was going to school that were part of organizations that I would join that were really looking out for, you know, people of color who wanted opportunities in journalism and things like that. So I really I was drawn to them when I needed assistance or advice on certain things. So the support system could really range from a lot of different people in your life. It's, it's necessarily one person, but it comes from different areas. And it's really up to you to sign, kind of get a little bit from each of those to help you navigate everything. Exactly. And, you know, you, you said earlier something very important that I also want to talk about internships. And especially yes. when studying communication, you know, I feel, and in other, every other career, right? Like, in order to get your foot in the door, you have to do internships while you're studying. And for, you know, some people, it's hard because they 
besides going to school, they're working and they're, they're doing, they're working too in order to help pay for, you know, their tuition and everything. So for some people, it's hard to do internships because most internships, some internships are free. They don't pay you or if they do pay you, it's very little. And it is a sort of privilege, you know, of having internships, but I think it's really important to have those because you have that work experience when you graduate and it opens doors for you. Can you talk about that? Yes. Um, internships are actually, actually probably the most valuable thing that I did during my college years. Um, every time I talk to college students, I tell them if you're not leaving college with at least two to three internships, it's not going to be as easy as you think it is to find a job as fast as, you know, right after graduation, as fast as you would like. The best thing that I did was do the internships. And when you're going back and you're talking about the privilege part of it, I definitely want to talk about that because it's something that I, I know firsthand. The internships that I was able to do during college, I did three internships. One of them was at the uh, El Paso Times. The second one was at People Magazine, and the third one was at the Denver Post. All three of those internships were paid internships. There was no way that I would have been able to do an unpaid internship. Um, I actually had a full-time job during college. I was working full-time, and I was going to school full-time. And when I decided to do these internships, I knew that I could not afford to do an unpaid internship. The most interesting ones were unpaid internships. Mm. And the ones that I would have loved to do were unpaid internships, but I didn't have that, that, that ability to do that. So I was fortunate to find um, really good internship programs that are out there. Um, I suggest that you do your research before you take any unpaid internship. There's a lot of places that give, you know, a really good uh, salary for internships nowadays. It's not as easy to find as many unpaid ones anymore just because the laws have changed so much for a lot of internships. But when I was um, doing my internships, I, I was able to to get a paid internship um, during that time, and that was really helpful for me because I was able to pay my bills, and at the same time, I was able to learn something and, and then come back and with a lot more um, to put on my resume. And so I strongly encourage anyone um, that is going to college to definitely um, make that part of your to-do list. Um, one of the other things that I would have loved to do during college, and I didn't get the opportunity, was study abroad. And that was also um, something that was not available to me um, for financial reasons. But I think that if you have an opportunity to do an internship with someone and um, you're able to negotiate a paid internship, then you've scored because that's a big deal. Yeah. And when you come out of college with internships lined up, like you said, they, you can show that you now know how the world will works, how you can actually have skills that you acquired through those internships that haven't come from classes, that they've come from actual assignments that you've done in these internships that are extremely valuable. So I would strongly encourage everyone that is still in college to definitely look into doing at least one or two while you're there and make sure that they're paid internships because they are out there. There's there's a lot. You just have to do your research. You have to dig a little bit. And, and I strongly encourage that. And can you share, you know, what were the things that you learned? Because like you said, it's it's true. You don't learn the same things um, that you do in these internships at school. Like, 
you, you go in and it's like, it's real life, you know? And it's, you're, it's very amazing to be part of an internship where you can learn and later go like in the, like in 10 years, apply the same lessons you did in those internships to your current, you know, job. So what were those lessons learned that you had in those, in these three internships? Because they're very different and the content that they, you know, produce is very distinct between all of them three and like the audience audiences is so different. So what, what did you learn and how did you become a better journalist and, and writer? Oh, wow. There were so many amazing lessons learned. I remember the first internship that I had, the first professional one was at the El Paso Times. I actually had to go and live in El Paso for about four months um, on my own. So there was also life lessons in that because it was the first time I was out of my house living in my own apartment by myself. Um, and that was really interesting, um, having to go grocery shopping on my own, having to pay a rent on my own. Um, so there was a lot of valuable life lessons in that. It was sort of like showing me what it meant to be independent. So that was really valuable. The other things that I learned, for example, at the El Paso Times was when you're in school, you're learning about a lot of things in theory, right? Mm-hmm. You're, you're learning about um, from a textbook perspective. Um, when you jump in, you get to see all of that in real life and how all of that is actually applied to the real world. So for me, it was I was learning on the back end sort of the specifics about journalism, the history about journalism, but it wasn't until I got to the Paso Times that I actually found out what it takes to be a good interviewer, what it takes to be a good writer, how to effectively put a story together in a short period of time, how to put very difficult information together in an effective way for any person um, to be able to understand. And then in addition to that, what also is extremely valuable from all three internships was the ability to learn what it's like to work in a real office. Mm -hmm. What it's like to know how to, you know, talk to a manager, how to do everything, how to be a part of meetings in an effective way, how to make your voice heard in a room, how to be part of a meeting. And um, those types of things are extremely valuable lessons that you will have to learn sooner or later when you have a, a job and when you're part of any office. So learning that firsthand in an internship was extremely valuable to me. The other internships that I had, you said there were different audiences. There was different uh, tasks that I had to do. So at the El Paso Times, I, it was an internship, but I, went to, I wasn't fetching coffee. I was actually in there writing stories. They were like, Brenda, we need you to go and cover the parade that's going on on Saturday. There is a uh, wonderful poet that lives in El Paso. We need somebody to go and interview her. Um, And so I really think that, um, you know, never underestimate the power of just jumping in to the fire and just, you know, sink or swim, those types of opportunities are so valuable. And so internships allow you to do that. They allow you to go in and experience firsthand what it's like to have that type of career, what it's like to have that type of profession. And um, I think a lot of people don't realize that if you're doing an internship, you might even find out this isn't actually the path I want to go. Yes. This isn't actually the career that I want. Um, This isn't actually the types of things that I would want to do. And that in itself is a valuable lesson. Mm -hmm. That in itself right there is something that you can take something so valuable for an internship and find out 
this isn't actually what I want to do after all. And that could be a huge time saver for you in the future where you're stuck in a job that perhaps you wouldn't have liked anyways. So that's another great thing to take away from internships is that you are getting this real world experience, but you're also learning a lot about yourself. You're learning a lot about what you're, how, you know, how you can apply your skills into a place like this and whether or not you want to apply your skills to a place like this. So um, for me, it was extremely valuable in all of those different ways. Um, when I was at People Magazine, um, it was great. I was in the research department. So I was um, doing a lot of research on celebrities, um, um, you know, especially uh, for the obituaries um, that were being written for the magazine and things like that. But I quickly found out a lot of things about myself when you're doing those internships, you know, how I needed to pay attention to more details of, of certain things, how I needed to sharpen my skills in certain areas and things like that. Um, when I was at the Denver Post, um, that was a great way to jump into breaking news stories. There was a lot of things that happened when I was in the internship there that I had to jump in and help out on. So it really solidified for me in the end when I did the internships that it was a career that I was uh, cut out for, that it was something that I definitely wanted to do. But I remember when I was in junior college, in community college, I remember I did a, an internship there for a television station, and that really wasn't my cup of tea. And so I actually found out from that internship also that perhaps maybe that wasn't something that I was super interested in. But when I did the print internships, that was something that I was. So regardless, you're going to take some sort of lesson away, whether um, it is about life or a profession, you're going to learn something. And that is the most valuable things about internships. Yes, perfect. And I can really connect to that. And you, you said something very important in terms of discovering things to improve on. And for our listeners, our, our Latinas who want to go into the path of communication and interviewing in print media, you know, can you share maybe three tips on, I, I feel like I, I want to touch on three subjects, um, interviewing, how to, how to have your voice be heard in these meetings while you're at work, and research, because those three tie really well in, in this specific workforce, workforce. so if you can share maybe what has worked for you, for our listeners. So interviewing in terms of a job or interviewing other people? Or interviewing for other people, to other people, and then we can go to, to jobs. Yeah. Okay. I think it's always, the, the number one key to interviewing people is always curiosity. That's what's going to really drive a conversation with somebody that gets really interesting. And I think being a good listener is a the key one of the key things to being a good interviewer. You have to really, really listen to what people are saying when they're talking about something. Oftentimes, it's a simple question, but if the person feels very compelled to, to answer it, they're going to tell you much more than what you originally asked. And so I think being a good listener and being very curious and asking questions that are really open-ended are very, very beneficial when doing an interview. So that is, I think, the key things when interviewing somebody, you know, being a great listener, having great open-ended questions, and being extremely curious because everyone has a very fascinating story to tell and everyone has something very interesting to tell. Yeah. As long as you're listening, you'll hear that and that'll come across and end up being a great interview. And in terms of, you know, going into these interviews to getting the job, what three tips can you recommend for our Latinas who 
you know, are nervous at interviewing that maybe they've never done this or they just don't have that confidence because maybe they've been laid off recently or it's their first interview? Yes. Number one thing is be yourself. I think a lot of the times that when you're, when you're not going to be yourself, people can see that. It's very important to be yourself. And when you're yourself, you're a lot less nervous. You're, you're better able to answer questions. And come from a really honest place. And I think that any interviewer on the, on the other end of that will see that you're being a genuine person. And that really goes a long way in any interview. So number one, I would say be yourself and answer the questions as honestly as possible. Because the interviewer at any point will really appreciate honesty and will really appreciate you being yourself. They, what they're really looking to see when you're in any interview is they're looking to see, is this a person that I really want to work with? that I want to be part of my team. Mm -hmm. That's what they're really looking for. They're looking to see that part of you. So you need to be as genuine as possible, and you need to be as honest as possible and bring your best foot forward. And as long as you do that, I think that that will really showcase what you're all about. The other thing that I would say about, about interviewing is do your research. Make sure that before you go into any interview that you research what that company, that agency, or that department is about. And also, not just what they're about, but think about some of the needs that they may have and what are some of the areas that they might want to grow in and what are some of the things that they might benefit that you might bring to the table. Because when you're in that interview, you want to showcase that you can bring something to the table that will really get them to the next level. So number one, be yourself. Number two, do your research and find out how can I contribute to this workplace. And then the final interview tip that I would give is, it comes back to the confidence level. I think once you've realized that you know what you want to talk about, you've done your research about, you know, everything that they're about and some of the needs that the company has, the last step would be that you are prepared, that you have, you're prepared, and when you're prepared, confidence comes out. So make sure that you're yourself, that you're being as honest as possible with your answers, Number two, that you're researching and making sure that you find areas that you can contribute. And number three, you're going to be super prepared, and that's going to bring out the confidence that you have. You're not even going to have to worry about the confidence because it's going to come out automatically after you've done number step, step one, mm -hmm. and two, one and two. So that's what I would recommend and, and being you know, effective at all your interviews. Perfect, yeah. And I think you just gave really important tips, especially that can help them in the next area of their life, you know, in every area with confidence and have, doing your research and everything and just being well-prepared and being yourself can help you and open the doors for many things. Yes. And like I said, people really, you know, really look for a genuine, honest answer. And at the end of the day, that can really go a long way for you. So, so being honest and open and being yourself, it, it is a great way to show them what you're all about. Exactly, yeah. And, you know, for our Latinas who, you know, are in the workforce and they're, you know, in working and everything and they have these meetings and they want to share, you know, their ideas, but they kind of feel they don't have, their, their voice isn't being heard. Can you share how you were able to develop that voice with your colleagues and being heard in these like meetings and 
What helped you in terms of that? I think it all goes back to one of the points that I talked about with the interviews, which is preparation. I think that when you're going to go into a meeting, it's always good to go into every single meeting that you're asked to go to prepared. You know, you don't want to go into a meeting and talk about something you're not really well-versed on. So whenever you're asked to be part of a meeting, it's really important to go and do your research before you go in there. What are some of the topics that are going to come up? Oftentimes, we're given an agenda before we go into any meeting. And look at the agenda. Look at some of the things that are going to be discussed. How can you prepare for the potential questions that might come out of those topics? How can you prepare to give some ideas um, that are outlined in those topics? And I think that when you can bring something of value to a conversation, people are going to listen. And as long as you are able to do preparation uh, before any meeting and um, you're going in there with well-researched information, things that you looked up, that you can share that perhaps hasn't been brought up in the, in, in the past meetings, I think it's really important to make sure that with that preparation you go in and you share something valuable that perhaps no one's brought up before and people are going to listen because when you're going to any meeting it's all about bringing some very innovative and cool ideas that no one's else brought up so i think it's really important in order to have that you need to prepare so you need to know what what's going to be discussed what potential questions might come up and feel confident in your answers because you've done a little bit of research before you've gone in there so make sure that every time that you're in a meeting also that you, one of the biggest things that I always like to tell people that I have managed in the past is it's great to bring up issues and um, problems, but always bring a solution. Always bring a solution. If you're going to bring up an obstacle or something that needs to be fixed or, or you know, anything that, um, that is a challenge, I think the best way to really, really set yourself apart in any meeting is to bring a solution with you. And so be that person that has a solution. Be that person that has the ideas. Be that person that everyone can look to. And I think in that is the best way to really, really, really have a seat at the table is to always make sure you have a solution to whatever problem exists. And if you don't have a solution, you have some ideas of how we can bring a solution. So I think that's really important. Yes, I think that speaks highly of of who who you are as a person as well because if they say you have to do something and you say no because this can't be done or yes. whatever the case, they're not going to be looking at you for the next project. They're going to be looking for that person that says, okay, but I have the solution. We can fix it, whatever, blah, blah, blah. They're going to be they're gonna say, yeah, Brenda can bring you know the work. doesn't matter the obstacle. She'll accomplish it whatever the case and yes absolutely and and exactly and that's such a great point and like I said you want to be the the person with the solutions you want to be that person that people look to and the confidence that comes with that 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 just brings confidence in itself because you know that you're able to help and so focus more on being bringing solutions to the table uh, because the confidence will come with that Mm -hmm. exactly and for the third topic research and it's something that in communication is really important especially it also strengthens when you interview someone it strengthens when you're writing a story when you're going to cover an event so what for many people who are about to um, start this career 
it might be overwhelming because where do they start, you know, or how do they, you know, end the research? What is too much research or what is little, you know? So what tips can you share that work for you? Yeah, I think now with the internet, it's like almost overwhelming Mm -hmm. amount of information that's out there, right? So before when I was starting off and I was interested in journalism and doing research on topics, there wasn't as much information at my fingertips that people have now. You could literally look up anyone, anything at any time. And that wasn't actually available to me when I was first starting off. And in a way, it was better because I had to really, really go in and look for uh, verified sources and concrete sources. I think the issue that we have now is because we have so much information, what source is actually accurate and what source is not? We have so much information at our fingertips. It's almost like you have to, like, research the research (laughs) because you have to figure out what what type of stuff can, can I actually, you know, believe in. It's not. So you have to just be really smart about your sources. And I think that when you're doing any type of research, you just need to be smart about your sources and make sure that they're coming from legitimate places, that you're getting information from, if you can get the information from the actual source itself, that is really good. And it doesn't, you know, still going back to old-fashioned days where you'd want to pick up the phone and call somebody to ask them about it. That is actually a really good way to research something as well. I think talking to people and not just being dependent on the internet is also beneficial. So talk to people, whether it's about a company or whether it's about a person. Talking to other people about the types of things as research or as a form of a source is really beneficial. So I think nowadays we have so much information at our fingertips. It's more about being able to figure out what information is going to be beneficial to you and which one is legit because there's so much of it. And then just being smart about the sources and being smart about where you're getting information from and researching. And like I said, you know, like the old fashioned days, you can still pick up the phone. You can still call people. You can still ask them. You can still connect with people online in a one-on-one and learn about something or about someone. And that's also beneficial in itself. Never underestimate the power of reaching out to a person and talking to them about a subject that you're really interested in, in knowing about because that's almost, most, most of the time, the best research that you can do. Excellent. And now I want to go deeper into you and share with us those years after, you know, graduating and finally, you know, working and being, you know, editor-in-chief of Long Beach Magazine and just learning more about you as as a mujer and also learning maybe journalism isn't the path but because you transitioned you, yes um, so what what were those lessons learned and those highlights while you, the first years of your career yeah so when I first started my career after college and I got my first job I was working out at San Diego I was a newspaper reporter I was, um, you know, very excited. I was covering education, immigration, a bunch of stories in between, doing feature stories. I was loving it. It was awesome. This was right before, a few years right before the last recession hit. And um, I just recently wrote a piece about that experience because I think it really resonates with a lot of people today. Yeah. Um, and I want to talk about that because yes. I think it's really important. So I was working 
working as a reporter and close to about 2008 is when I started to see things shift in the industry that I thought I was going to be in for about 20 years. Ad, ad revenue started to decline. There was a lot of the offices that our newspaper owned started to close. And I sort of started to panic inside and I started to think, oh no, I, I don't think this is headed into a good place. I started to see a lot of colleagues um, that I was in journalism with lose their jobs, a lot of layoffs. There was a lot of newspapers cutting back and even closing as we continue to see today. And what happened was that I actually left the newspaper and I went to go work for in celebrity news for about a year. And that was an interesting experience. Again, I thought that it was going to be something that I really liked. And I thought for the first year it was really fun, but it wasn't aligned with what my core mission, career mission was, which was to be a public service. Mm -hmm. And so when I transitioned back to newspapers, it was really a not a good time to do so. It was like late 2008, early 2009, and it couldn't have been the worst time to be in print journalism. I actually was at my newspaper, another newspaper job again, and within six months, I actually got laid off during the recession. And that was a huge blow, and it was also a huge epiphany for me, and something that I that I think is, is going to resonate with a lot of people nowadays. Yeah. Um, when I lost my job, it was like I felt like the world around me was crumbling. It was a huge blow to this, you know, 10-year plan that I think a lot of us in our early 20s Yes. Like like to have right? Yes. You'll soon find you'll soon find out that that's not always that plan yes. doesn't always <laughs> pan out. But the good news is there are actually better things that may come along uh, rather than the ones that you plan for. So in 2009, I lost my job, and uh, like many thousands of people who were laid off at the time, just like now, like today, mm-hmm. um, in a matter of like weeks, were unemployed. At that time, I really took it hard. It was, it was like, I felt like everything that I had worked for for so long um, was sort of like falling apart. I felt like, why did I make this investment into this career now that it's, you know, falling apart? How am I going to pivot from this? Mm -hmm. What am I going to do? What are my next steps? That time, just like it is now for a lot of people, was a time to really sit still and reflect. And what I mean by that is sit still and reflect of not asking yourself, and this is the really important part, not asking yourself, why is this happening to me? But asking yourself, what is this trying to teach me? So that changed everything for me. Because when I stopped to say, well, why is this happening to me? I, I, you know... I spent all this energy and time into journalism and I did my internships and I went to the right schools and I did all of these things. I shifted that mindset from why to what is this trying to teach me? And when I started to realize that what this was trying to teach me was that that investment that I made into uh, journalism was a huge, very valuable, huge, huge, valuable asset that would serve me for the rest of my life. Knowing how to put a story together, knowing how to talk to people and interview people, knowing how to the creative side of things work, knowing how to do all of these things was something extremely beneficial that was a foundation for everything that I would do for the rest of my life. 
And what it was also trying to teach me was that in life, you have to pivot. Mm -hmm. And pivoting is not always bad. Pivoting is actually a really, really, really good thing. Because even though things might shift on you, um, that doesn't necessarily mean that everything that you worked for is falling apart. All it means is that you're going to shift your priorities to a different type of mission and it could be just as valuable or more than the one that you were originally on. So that was a very valuable lesson. I think nowadays a lot of people that are in this moment who perhaps even have lost their jobs have to take this opportunity to really sit down and think that what is this trying to teach me right now about my life, about my career, about my skills, about things that perhaps maybe I should learn or things that I may, you know, should pursue. Mm -hmm. It's a very valuable thing, but in order for you to do that, you have to sit still and kind of listen to yourself and get quiet. And that's what happened in 2009 for me. And although I spent a little bit of time after that running a magazine and running working for a publication company a few years after that it was actually preparing me for my career that I have now and those types of things made me a lot more open-minded and when you go through these types of things you have to understand that when if you're willing to listen to that voice inside of you that is going to be teaching you this lesson what it's going to do for you is going to open a lot of doors And once those doors open for you, you're going to realize how many possibilities there are out there for you, no matter what skills you have. And we need to continue to be open-minded because we're all evolving as we grow older. I've evolved. The priorities that I had at 21, at 22 are not the priorities that I have at my age now. And things are going to change, and you have to be open to change. And as long as you're open to change and you're embracing the new things that are going to come your way, as long as you're embracing those types of things, you're going to be successful. And there's nothing to fear because as long as you have open arms and you're embracing new things that are coming your way, you're going to know that there is success behind that as long as you're willing to go along for that ride. Yes, your words are touching my heart right now. And it's I, I connected so much with what you said because I've been... In my career, I've been laid off twice. The first time, I did not listen to your advice. (laughs) I was too focused on, why is this happening to me? But trust me, on the second time, I stayed quiet. I stayed quiet and I pivoted, and I'm so thankful that I did that. Yes. And I also remember the beauty of communications. Yes. This career is so beautiful and so vast. And it reminds you to, you have to pivot in that there's so many paths one can take. So many. And the core of communication is, is in everything that we do as a society. Mm-hmm. And when you recognize that, you'll learn, wow, the world is my oyster. There's so many things I can do. There's so many opportunities that I can do and be a part of. So... It makes me happy. And so oftentimes it takes one or two times to learn that lesson. And it's a very hard lesson to learn. And I want to go back to that because it wasn't like a walk in the park and I had this epiphany. It was really hard. I remember um, in that year, it was extremely difficult. It was like, I felt like it was an ego buster. It was something that I definitely felt like, like, like it, it, it was daunting. But I think that if you go back 
to what I said, and you sit still with that, with those uncomfortable feelings, you'll find that you're going to come out on the other side of it in a much better place. Yes. And let's go deeper. Like, it, obviously, being laid off is horrible. You feel like you're useless. It feels like, like, you start questioning, what did I do wrong? Even though it wasn't your fault, you know, it, things yeah. happened. And I'm, I must imagine those feelings triple because of the recession. And how were you able to pull, cause it, it, it's not an easy path. How were you able to pull just that confidence in yourself and that motivation to just keep, keep going because it, it's hard when that happens. It is. I think that you have to recognize that there are a lot of outside factors and things that happen in life that are totally out of your control. Mm -hmm. And there are things that are going to happen that you don't have any control over. And at the end of the day, have nothing to do with you as a person and have nothing to do with you and your skills and have nothing to do with you and your talents. They are literally things that are completely out of your control that that is why it is so important to sort of make sure you learn how to ride those waves because they're not going to come just in jobs. They're going to come in your personal life. They're going to come in, in, in friendships and they're going to come in relationships and they're going to come in, in these waves. And I think it's really important, not just career wise, but in all of those to learn that you have to ride the waves and know that when things are changing, they're changing for you in a way that perhaps you're not, you can't be short sighted and not, and see that it's not going to be, as bad as you think it is, that it might be actually something better coming your way. So when we have, when we embrace that open-mindedness and we embrace an open mind at all times, we can bring that strength within us to know that we can continue on because all of those talents, all of those skills are within us and they're going to be utilized, maybe not in the place that we really wanted to initially, but they're going to be utilized in another place and they're going to be beneficial to another job that you might go to or to another space that you might want to embrace. And as long as you have that, you have everything and everything else is really external. So I think the self-confidence really comes from knowing that you're always going to have something to be of value to any place that you go to. You have to hold that onto that and make sure that you're during this time also is really important to network and let people know what those talents are. Communicate and, and reach out to people in your networks and tell them, you know, what it is that you can bring to the table because it's very, very critical and important mm -hmm. that when you're out looking for a job or you're, you're in these types of situations that you're networking with people because people are always looking for talented individuals like yourself. So never underestimate the power of networking in these types of situations because they are very, very beneficial. When I was laid off in 2009, I actually got called to run Long Beach Magazine because I had worked with somebody in my previous job that knew, you know, my skill set, and they entrusted me with their magazine to be able to, to run it and to do that. And so I think it's very important when you have that open mind, and then you're also doing the networking, and you're putting some work into this, mm -hmm. and that's the important part, putting work into it, both mentally, socially, things will start to open up, and there will be doors that will open up for you. You just have to keep believing that, that, that that's going to happen, and eventually it does. Yes, and I feel it's so important in terms, it goes back to the networking as well at your job, you know, where you are, and being that comfort, confident self, and for always providing those solutions, like, all that we've talked about in this conversation, 
brings back and helps you when these moments come in your life. Because absolutely, previous colleagues will pull you back because they know how you work, what you bring to the table, and they will help you open even more doors when you need those opportunities. And, and going back to your question about the interviews, you're on your interview your whole career. Just know that. That once you get past the interview phase and you get the job, just just think, always have the mindset that you're constantly on this interview. All projects that you're doing is an interview. All of the things that you're involved in is an interview. And you're demonstrating to people every single day at work and with the projects that you're doing what the capacity of your skill set and the value that you bring to the table. So never let that go because that's always going to be a very important part of your life is to make sure that you're on your A-game all the time. As long as you're on your A-game, everybody will recognize that. And you'll always be a valuable asset to every single place that you work. So I think it's really important to just make sure to stay on your A-game and to always, you know, make sure not to be, stay stagnant. You know, constantly be evolving. Yeah. And just like you do with, you know, being open-minded about jobs and about the future, you need to be this, do the same thing about your valuable skill sets that you have. Always sharpening them, making sure that they're, they're, they're you know, uh, up to par with, you know, the standards of today. And that, those are very valuable things. Yes. And, you know, you being open and, you know, doing what you're share- you have shared right now, it opened the path of doing the what you're doing now, working right now, you know, and in, um, in the LA County and providing strategies, communication strategies, and educating the people of LA County to go out and vote, and you know, creating these campaigns, and even being involved in changing the sticker of the "I Voted." So, you yourself, you know, helped open that door and find a new opportunity, new path that, you know, our career has to offer. So let's talk about that, you know, how you came across that path and what you're doing now and, you know, the highlights of it. Yeah. So after about six years ago, when I finally left the print journalism uh, world, I sort of felt like I went into government communications a little bit, you know, with an open mind. I didn't really know what it entailed. Um, I was not uh, familiar with this new industry, world. It was totally a new place for me. Uh, when I first, what the greatest part for me was when I first got my job in uh, government communications was I didn't imagine the opportunities that would open up to me and the ones that, like they have now. Um, I saw a huge need for people like myself and the skill sets that I have in this space. And it continues to grow. It's actually even more so now. But it was a huge opportunity for me to really start to craft a, and set a foundation for, for this government agency that I, I was working at the Registrar Recorder's Office. And before, they didn't really have a foundation for their communications model. And I was actually able to create that for them. Mm-hmm. And I was very excited about that because... I was open to doing that, even though they didn't have a communications foundation. I didn't go in there thinking, oh my gosh, the, you know, blueprint's not here. How are we going to figure this out? Instead, I'm like, well, I'll make the blueprint. I'm going to make the blueprint and I'm going to create it from scratch and I'm going to start the foundation from scratch and I'm going to bring everything that I've learned in my previous jobs and in my career, previous career, and I'm going to bring that here. And I'm going to give them what they're missing. 
And with that mentality, helping them improve their communications of how they're reaching out to people. Because essentially what I was doing in my previous career was the same thing. I was taking complex information, bureaucratic information, and breaking it down for the average person. And that's what government communications is, is making sure that you're taking very difficult bureaucratic information and you're making that easy for people to understand so that they can get the services that they need, so they can can get the information that they need, so that they can live their daily lives. And so, as you can see, being an open-minded person, it ended up actually being the same mission that I was on initially when I set out to be a journalist, which was to be a public service. And that's essentially what my core mission in my career has always been, is to be a, a public service. And in doing that, it translated into this pivot that I did into yes. government communications. And it actually worked out really well because what I did was I took all of the skills that I had and applied it to a place that was a need. So that's why it's really important when I go back, and this goes back to my previous point because I think everything is sort of like connecting now, yes. which I said that look for where the solutions are needed. And that's what I did. And when you go into any job and when you're pivoting from a career, you're going into a new industry, you have to look at the places and the things that they are in need of. What are some solutions based on your skill set that you can bring to the table? And that's exactly what I did. I looked for areas of deficiency that I could contribute to. And those were areas in communication, in graphic design, in video, and in photography, and, and those types of and branding and marketing and applied all of those things to the job and really recreated and created something from scratch that to this day they're utilizing. And that's been really beneficial and exciting for me because I've been able to see something that I've been able to create. And I wouldn't have been able to create those things had I not had the previous experiences that I had in the past. Yes. So you have to remember that it's, and, I, and, I, and I, there's a quote from Steve Jobs that I love where he says, you can't really connect the dot looking forward you can only collect connect them looking back i love that yes because it's so true right yes so so you you now that i'm looking back and i'm seeing that that moment that i had in 2009 where i was mm-hmm. thinking like oh my gosh this isn't the career you know what everything that i was working for you know what happened everything that i was working for was setting me up to for, this. for the successes that i have now mm-hmm. right it was it was setting me up for that so 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 thinking being more open-minded in these in these times of crisis and these times they're all, these are opportunities for us yes. and we have to see them as an opportunity and I think going back to our parents you know being a first generation Mexican American our parents saw opportunities and challenges and they took those opportunities to make a life for us here when they came to the United States yes. and that core foundation and those core principles will carry all of us through. And that's why I said it's already within us. We just have to apply it to our daily lives and to our careers and to everything that we do. So moving into government communications was challenging. I had to learn the ins and outs of government. I had to learn the ins and outs of, of how it worked within government and very different from the private sector. But in a, way, in a lot of ways, we're very similar. There was a lot of very similar needs that, that I needed to be met that I had in my previous career. And so applying that, those skills to a new place was really, really great and has served a great 
was a great stepping stone in my, my current career now in doing government communications. And it feels really good because I'm still doing what I love, which is being a service to the public and making sure that they have information that they need in critical times and, and helping to get the word out on that. So that's really, really important to me, and it continues to be the core of what I do every single day. Yes, and you're still impacting, you know, informing, yes. and being that driver of communication to our community and just being aware of what is going on. And at the end of the day, you are accomplishing what you originally had set yourself up to do, right? That, and that's beautiful. Yes. And oftentimes you're going to find in life that, you know, you have your 10-year plans, you have your five-year yeah. plans, and we're, we kind of get set on those types of things. And it's great to have goals. But what I want to say is to be open to other possibilities because oftentimes those other possibilities might even be better than the ones you plan for yourself. Mm-hmm. And, and when you recognize that, you feel very – there's a sense of empowerment that you feel inside because there's so many opportunities that will open up to you. And it almost overshadows any type of fear that you have. So I think that for anyone that's looking to how do I get over this, you know, this like lack of confidence or how do I get over this fear of, of having to pivot, just think about all the opportunities that you have at your fingertips. They're endless yes. if you're willing to embrace that and be open to that. Exactly. Very beautiful. Yes. And throughout these years of working in the government um, communication sector, what have you mentioned? You mentioned that it was um, a learning curve. You know, what were were those lessons learned and that you now look back and you're like, oh, you know, thank, thank goodness I went through that experience because now, you know, I'm, 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 I'm better from that and I can bring more better solutions. Yeah. I think the learning curve was obviously learning how bureaucracy, you know, when things can be very bureaucratic in government. Mm -hmm. So kind of like learning that things are not as easily done as they would be in a, like the private sector. So that's like a little bit of a learning curve. Also, you all have to understand how to translate information uh, about the government to uh, regular people. Um, there's a lot of jargon that needs to be uh, explained and things like that. So like any industry that you go in, you have to kind of like learn the lingo and learn um, that type of stuff and how you can best tell regular people about it so that was a like a big part of the learning curve but it wasn't like that difficult because when I was covering um like education and things like that for the newspaper I had to like go into like very like complicated board meetings and things like that and try to get that information and explain it to the public so you know kind of goes along the same lines of my previous experience Mm -hmm. and you know, throughout the time that you've been working in this industry, you know, what have been those highlights that, you know, make you proud of the work that you've done and the goals that you and your team have accomplished? Because they, they're they big, you know, just that sticker, the I voted sticker, that's, that's incredible. That's seriously a moment in history that it should be known and celebrated for more likeliness to know that you've done that. Yeah, um, so I think the big, the most, the proud moments that I have is being able to have gone into a place that didn't have a structured communications model or a communications office and being able to create that for them and in addition to not only so that it could you know function but also thrive so I'm very proud of the marketing campaigns that we did together when I was there um, and also 
being able to be a part of the modernizing of a lot of things that were done there, including the I Voted sticker. You know, when we had a conversation about that with the with the graphic artist, we were like, mm-hmm. let's 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 revisit this yeah. and let's make it cool and let's make it modern and let's make it like 2000, um, you know, in the 2018, let's make it that type of, um, you know, cool and modern that people are going to want to wear it and that we could be able to get the people's attention about elections this way. So I have a lot of proud moments in the sense that like building something from the ground up, that's like my biggest pride um, and being able to like leave that office and continue to see that, uh, you know, continue to thrive and still be there. um, And that I was a part of that. That's very exciting to me. And then also now in my current position, uh, being able to go in there and um, um, kind of, try to do the same thing and um that's that's exciting that's exciting for me and i think those are some very proud moments that i'm able to go into a space like government communications um not only apply my skill set to it but then help them thrive with it which is really really exciting because there's a big need there for good communications and government for for you know for people to be able to look at government as an authoritative voice and for government to be able to also meet people where they are in terms of technology and social media Mm -hmm. and then to be able to facilitate that between government and people is awesome yeah and then you know those successes have been great and then now in your current uh position in the la county headquarters you know you're doing big work and necessary work and obviously that has changed a bit due to the pandemic and can you share us share with us you know how that has shifted your work and how you've been able to adapt to in order to deliver you know the work um the message to the la county community mm-hmm. well the last i think month has been very very interesting for a lot of people um i felt like in my you know in my shoes a lot of things shifted very quickly um i remember um this topic being discussed in the board meetings um, initially, and I never really felt that it was going to, you know, become the topic of the yeah. year at that time, in the beginning of the year when they were initially talking about it. And then about a month ago, I think everything got turned upside down, and the world got turned upside down, and this pandemic really exploded, and it became an issue. And since then, um, I've been incredibly busy at work, um, trying to keep uh, up the pace. Um, I'm helping to assist with a lot of the media briefings that you see on, on TV every day, letting the public know what is going on with the current numbers. Um, those uh, daily briefings are taking place in our office every single day. And then in addition to that, answering a lot of media questions that we have uh, uh, regarding what the county is doing to assist and help people during this time. And then in addition, on top of that, making sure that um, a lot of the operations within our office adapt to the new reality, mm-hmm. which is that we can't meet in person anymore. We can't have um, in-person board meetings anymore with the public. We can't um, do that anymore. So having to figure out ways, creative ways together of how we can facilitate the new, you know, our services mm-hmm. to the new reality. And that's an ongoing thing um, that we're still in the middle of right now. And um, so it's been really, really fascinating to see how quickly things have changed. And we've had to adapt very quickly to a lot of the new realities, like 
using technology to communicate with each other a lot more now and um, trying to uh, get information out to the public in in ways that are also going to work for them, whether it be on social media or whether it be on online through our website and things like that. So we're in unprecedented times Mm -hmm. and I think unprecedented times for communication professionals too, because we're going to, we're more than ever, the extremely essential to what is happening in the world right now because everyone is glued to their televisions everyone is glued to the internet everyone is glued to social media and they are looking to find out what is happening how are their lives going to be affected how's my job going to be affected how's the economy going to be affected um so i think in times of crisis the role of communicators really really shines and i think it really comes out um and it and shows everybody what a critical asset we are mm-hmm. in any type of workplace, whether it be a private company or a government agency. I think that um, communicators are, you know, really the core of who we are as a society because they're the people that are able to get that information out at any time, whether it be a good time or a bad time, mm-hmm. whether we're marketing an exciting new program or we're, uh, or new service, they're critical or whether there is a crisis and there needs to be some sort of intervention or management of that crisis. We're extremely critical. Yeah. So again, you know, the role that we play as communicators is very, very important at this time. Yes. And seriously, having, you know, your work depends, you know, people is depending on you communicating all that information and just seeing, you know, myself, I'm constantly checking the news of what's going on and, you know, the numbers. And I know that you've been, I'm, I imagine you've been working like even more, right? During this time, during this past month, just to be able to be informed because everything is changing every single day. Yes, absolutely, and everything is changing not only outside but inside too, internally, Mm -hmm. having to manage staff and having to communicate the changes to staff. And as those changes uh, occur um, every single day, having being able to uh, step up the leadership game and knowing how to communicate that to yeah. staff. Um, so there's been a lot. There's a lot of really good, important lessons during a time of crisis, whether it be in leadership and management. There's a lot of things that we are all going to be able to take away from this experience, um, and it's going to benefit all of us. I think in the end to learn what worked, what didn't work, and it's always a really important time. Anytime that something happens, you know, to take away important lessons from that. Yes. And, you know, right now, what have been the ways that you personally and professionally, you know, because I, your work is sometimes, you know, at home, right? And, but used to be at the office. How have you adapted saying during this time? Because no one has lived through a pandemic and everyone reacts differently. And, you know, we're constantly being told, you know, don't do anything, no, be productive, and this looks, you know, or start a podcast or whatever, you know, so everyone's different. How are you able to adapt and also taking care of yourself? Yeah, that's a great question. I think I'm somebody who, like, loves to work constantly. I'm always, I'm sort of a workaholic, Um, but I have also learned um, in the last couple of years that it's really important for self-care. I know it's a buzzword that we've been hearing a lot lately, self-care, self-care Sundays. You know, I have some of those too, my baths and my masks and all that stuff. I definitely do all that. 
Um, but I think it's really important for me. The, one of the key things is that right now we're, we are in the middle of a pandemic. None of us has ever experienced this before. Although we had some re- disruption back in 2009 when we had the recession. And that was a big disruptor for a lot of people and caused a lot of stress anxiety for a lot of people and I think that um, right now for me what's been keeping me sane is that I have to cut out the noise Um, and I also have to make sure that I'm conscious of how much information I am exposing myself to every Mm -hmm. single day so I you know in my job I'm receiving a lot of information because I'm sitting there I'm watching the Mm -hmm. daily briefings I'm doing all that but I think that when I'm off of work I really limit my intake of information to one hour of news and then I'm done um and then after that I will focus on some of the things that I need whether it be restocking my vitamins Mm -hmm. uh whether it be uh reading a book that I want to read whether it be um, connecting with friends or family that I haven't spoken to, um, that seems to always be a great way to disconnect from everything else. But I think that's really important that you have uh, to disconnect from some of the noise um, and just take some time for yourself, whether it be every single day or every other day. I think it's really, really important to do that because um, you could get really wrapped up in this rabbit hole of social media, rabbit hole of news, and at the end of the day, three, four hours have gone by, and you're like, I've been plugged into CNN for the last three hours. What have I done? You know. So I think that it's just really important to, to make sure that you're kind of like creating a routine for yourself every single day, whether you're at home. Um, create a routine the same way that you would if you were going into an office. You know, getting up at the same time every single day is really important. Um, Making sure that you're editing your, 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 you have one news source that you really like that you're checking in with maybe once or twice a day at the max. And then that's it. Um, Limit, you know, limit the amount of information. As long as you have the key information of what's going on that day, you're good. Um, I think also social media is an interesting um, Time for social media right now. I, I think that a lot of, especially people who are influencers, are really confused as to what they should be posting online and things like that. It's always been really interesting. I almost feel like it's a little bit of a social experiment. Yes. <laughs> to see what's going on on there, right? Yeah. Um, so, um, so I think it's really just important to to figure out what you know. Again, and this goes back to my thing about what I did in two thousand nine, which is sit still and listen. And what is it that you, you know, your inner self is telling you that you need at this time? Mm-hmm. Is it that you need uh, more quiet time? Is it that you need um, to connect with someone? Is it that you need to take a deep breath? Um, so just really, really centering yourself that way um, because that's really important in times like this uh, so that you don't get carried away with too much stress or too, too, too much overload of information. Yes, and I think, you know, past experiences like, the one you went through in 2007, 2008 have really helped you to yes. perfect, you know, what is going on right now and just be better at than what you had, how you read, how you had reacted previously. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. I think that uncertainty is never something that anybody wants to experience. And I think it makes a lot of people nervous. Um, but I think that there is it's really important at times like this for all of us to continue to maintain a, a spark of optimism. Mm-hmm. And 
I think in any, especially in challenging times, you just need to recall that feeling constantly so that you can maintain focus and take time for yourself because it is important to take care of yourself during this time. Yes, it's, it's really important because, you know, right now we, our health is everything, you know, and if we're not taking care of that and we're like yeah. overstressing and overworking or just you're going down that rabbit hole, it's going to affect, you know, that and then every single thing that happens after that in our lives. So it's definitely important to keep optimist and just not, you know, go into that rabbit hole of stress. Yeah, absolutely. And I previously, before recording this episode, this episode, I had reached out to you, um, our listeners and asked you on social media on our Instagram at AS the podcast, you know, what questions do you have for Brenda? Um, this is, you know, her working in the government sector in communications is amazing. And I imagine a lot of people have questions of how to get in, you know, and you know, doubts that maybe they don't have that person. And now that we have Brenda here, she can answer a couple of your questions and a question from Iliana Salas, she asked, do the FEMA PIO certificates mean anything? And should I have them on my resume? So she's talking about the FEMA um, PIO certificates, and those are usually given to public information officers. Mm -hmm. And a public information officer is a fancy sort of title, um, a payroll title that's given to government workers who are spokesperson or... um, responsible for being spokesperson for whatever agency they work for. So the FEMA uh, PIO certificates um, are really, I think, important um, if you are working in disaster management or a lot of um, agencies that have um, to do with emergency response. Mm -hmm. What they teach you by getting that certification is a lot of disaster response, how to do crisis management. I think any type of certification, whether it comes from the FEMA or comes from any other agency for public information work, is very, very uh, important and great to have. Um, If you have the means to uh, take the class and apply for the class and you can get certified, I think that's a good idea. It never hurts to have more skills. It never hurts to learn more. So I would definitely recommend it, especially if you're going to be applying for an agency that is going to be utilizing that type of skill set with emergency management or crisis management, the FEMA certification is a good one. And I would continually look for more opportunities to get certified in other areas, and it's never a bad idea to get more education than you can. Excellent. And another question is, can I become a PIO with less than five years of experience? Yes, you can become a PIO with less than five years of experience. There's different levels of public information officers. Uh, Usually the starting entry level is a public information assistant. Mm -hmm. And um, public information assistant usually is about one or two years of experience. If you wanted to be a public information officer, you can definitely do so with less than five years of experience as long as you have about two or three years of experience. It depends what level it is. Sometimes some agencies have public information level one and two. Uh, level two obviously requires more, about five five or plus years. But if it's uh, PIO one, usually you're able to get uh, a PIO one position with less than five years of experience. 
Um, if you feel like you have the skill set for the job, definitely apply for it. And it never hurts to put your name in the hat. And I would strongly encourage you that if you know you went to school for communication, that um, that type of um, uh, education background, you can definitely apply for the public information officer positions that are open. Perfect. And the third and final question from Melba Tellez, previous guest. What keeps you there? Who is this industry best for? Well, that's a great question. What keeps me here is um, my core mission, my core career mission, which I said to be a public service. Um, and I think that that is what keeps me in this job. What also keeps me here is the growing need for people with my skill set in this um, in this space. I think that if um, I can contribute something to this space that will be of value, it makes it very, very enticing and appealing to me as a career. Um, and I, and the second part of the question was, who is this industry best for? So this industry is probably best for people who are interested in public service work, mm-hmm. um, who are interested in applying communication skills have communication skills, who are creative and like to look for creative solutions. Government is always looking for creative solutions. So if you're somebody that um, has those things to offer, this is a good space for you to be in. I think it's also if you're passionate about social issues and about issues that affect the public, this is a great also space for you to be in as well. Excellent. And now that we've had this wonderful, amazing conversation, Brenda, thank, thank you so much. I've really... This has fueled and motivated me for this whole month and the next. Seriously, thank you so much for being here. Oh, that's great. Thank you so much. And, you know, I want to close this amazing conversation by asking you if you had the opportunity to travel back in time and see little Brenda, what would you tell her at any age? I would tell her to keep believing in herself and not sway because there are big things ahead for her and to continue to stay focused on, on that and to continue to keep that curiosity alive and that childlike curiosity alive because it's going to take you places. Yes. That's what I would think. Oh my gosh. And I truly feel and believe that more amazing things are going to come your way. Like your journey is like, you're still like in the middle. Like there's so much more that you're like, just talking with you and you know, you're going to accomplish so much more. And I'm excited, excited to see that. And you're seriously an inspiration and thank you. Thank you for sharing your journey and your stories here on ADAS. It's it's amazing. Thank you so much for the work you've done. Brenda, thank you so much for having me. I had such a blast talking to you today and I just want to give you a kudos for having an amazing platform for other Latinas to be inspired with I'm sure you're with your podcast are changing so many people's lives right now and building their self-esteem and confidence to go and pursue their dreams and I'm so happy to be a part of that thank you thank you so much thank you and you know where can our listeners follow you you know if they have a question or if anything you know where can they reach out Yes, so you can visit my website. It's uh, bduran.com. And um, they can also shoot me an email at bduran5 at yahoo.com. And I'm sure you can link that on here on the podcast. And um, feel free to um, connect with me on LinkedIn as well. 
Um, and I'm happy to answer any further questions that anyone might have after this podcast. Perfect. Well, you heard it here. You know, Brenda is, you know, she gave so much advice during this episode, but if you have even more questions, please reach out to her. I, she's, she's going to answer them and she's an amazing person, an amazing Latina. You will be tremendously inspired and I hope you were inspired throughout this conversation because I was and thank you for listening to another episode here on AS you can follow AS at um, Instagram that is A-L-L-A-S the podcast or email me if you want to be you know a future guest or you know leave a comment at AS the podcast at gmail.com that is A-L-L-A-S the podcast at gmail.com thank you again thank you Brenda for being here and thank you so much for your kind words and your advice And I hope to listen to you or, no, I hope you listen to AS with a new episode in two weeks. Adios. Yay. If you've been listening to AS for a while, You know that I'm a big supporter of providing a platform for Latinas to share their stories and inspire current and future generations of women. With that said, I'm looking to get this podcast into the lives of more amazing Latinas just like you. You can help by going to Apple Podcasts and write a review. Tell me what you think and leave any number of stars. It would mean the world to me. Thank you in advance. is produced, hosted, and audio edited by me, Brenda Hernandez Jaimes. Our video interviews are edited by Javier Ortiz Ruiz. And thank you to Shro, who created the podcast theme song, Sunken Streets. You can download this track on freemusicarchive.org or listen to him on Spotify, YouTube, and follow him on Instagram. And remember, this is Ellas. And thank you to Shro, who created the podcast theme song, Sunken Streets. You can download this track on freemusicarchive.org or listen to him on Spotify, YouTube, and follow him on Instagram.